That these two can't handle your broadcast. You ramble this homegrown our preamble. Listen closely, and you gon' see one of you with the great lake swing. Ain't a thing, boy. boy this boy. the 18, boy. boy. You gon' see what I mean, boy. boy. Come on with the theme, boy. Everybody on on your tablet or your phone. Subscribe to the podcast. It's homegrown. Subscribe to the podcast. It's homegrown. The name of the podcast is homegrown. It's what everybody on on your tablet or your phone. Subscribe to the podcast. It's homegrown. Subscribe to the podcast. It's homegrown. The name of the podcast is homegrown. Welcome back to the Homegrown Podcast, everyone. We really appreciate you tuning back in. Um, and coming and enjoying in this space that we try and, uh, as we always say, make uncomfortable conversations comfortable. Uh, today, uh, before we get into it, always follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, at The Homegrown Podcast. You can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts, um, all under The Homegrown Podcast. Um, today, I have a very special guest, um, a classmate of mine. Uh, and we'll get into a lot of different topics here, but uh, Annette, thank you so much um, for jumping on and uh, coming on to like share this space. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get into all this, usually the skeleton of the podcast is that I would do a introduction of like where you were raised, your background, stuff like that. But um, I really want to start and just dive into a conversation that- sure of mental health um and just certain topics we'll get into later but what has your this is gonna be a really broad question but what is okay. your Uh-oh. background <laughs> or influence or like the what has your life been with mental health and um stuff like that um well i have struggled with my own mental health issues since um probably before that I was a, before 18, I was a uh, teen mom. I had my daughter when I was 15, um, but I did not start treating it medically, like with medication until about 18 and then uh, way later with therapy. Um, So I have battled uh, depression, anxiety, major depression and anxiety mostly. And, uh, you know, coming into the last 10 years, uh, realizing some post-traumatic stress, um, complex post-traumatic stress. Uh, so I've had a lot (laughs) and then, um, for myself personally, and I've seen it all around me, both sides of my family, friends. Um, and I was going to major, actually, I used to do hair. (laughs) So just a little background on me. Like I used to be a hairstylist. I thought I was just going to own a salon in the city one day and I was going to do hair and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then that switched. My back started killing me, whatever. I was still doing that. And then I decided I was going to go and at least like go to business or start working on a business degree. And then um, I lost a friend to... um, an overdose and I was working at a college at the time as a admin assistant, but I worked with students uh, very closely because the students were, um, I worked in the student um, club department, like student life and all that, where there'd be like different clubs and stuff, LGBTQ, uh, multicultural, things like that. So I got to know the students 
really well. They would come to me, they would sit with me in my office and tell me things. And this has been my whole life too. And just tell me things that, you know, they hadn't told a soul and they barely knew me. And so that's what kind of triggered in me that I think I need to go a different route. Mm. So I started working on my bachelor's in psychology. And then here now I am um, my second year of my master's program um, in clinical mental health counseling with you at Adler University. Um, And so I'm just here trying to uh, get to the end so I can (laughs) begin to really, truly help people even more. Yeah. And the reason why uh, we were able to meet, like you said, is through Adler. And it sounds like there was, at least with a lot of us, it seems like we were headed in a different direction, sometimes an entirely different like field, like undergrad, not even in psychology, counseling or whatever. What was there a specific moment? Like you said, you were kind of sitting there and just realized it. Was it a moment that you, everything kind of clicked or? I think it was kind of simultaneously working with those students and seeing educated people every day, being around um, educated people every day. At this point, I only um, at this point I only had my GED. I was a high school dropout. Mm. I only had my GED, but I happened to get through a friend this gig of being a secretary, basically, um, you know, at the college, yeah. and so being around all these intellectual people just like inspired me and uh and then helping students in that way that like they felt comfortable with me and then at the same time or a little bit before that is when my friend passed away mm. um from an addiction and and I just I've always been fascinated with psychology and so I kind of knew like and I I've known my like like you don't just become a drug addict or you don't just right. you know what I mean like there's stuff behind that right and right. so I started to think you know I want to be a part of helping people like that possibly or um, just you know how can I help on the back end or how can I save other people's lives from that becoming something if if I'm that point of contact eventually you know yeah uh, first like if I could help in any way um before it gets to that point, right. you know, um, and, and the stigma, because, you know, this was, this was a girlfriend that I grew up with in the nineties. And then, uh, in the early, well, 2009 is when she passed. So mm-hmm. then the stigma was even more so right. like nobody, you know, you didn't go to a counselor. Like that was, you were weird. Like right. you were ostracized probably in your friend group. If you ever said you went to therapy, you know, yeah. especially in our friend group. Yeah. Where were you, where were you raised? Huh? Where were you raised? What area? Belvedere, Illinois. Okay. So Midwest area here. Yeah. Right outside of Rockford. I literally was born here and I've lived here most of my life, except for I lived in Rockford for a few years. Gotcha. Yeah. So especially in that, in this region, I would say really too, like it is, it plays into that stigma of, of especially early 2000s like that is yeah, because it was more just it was easy to just label crazy, and, mm-hmm. and like you said, ostracized of just if it was your friend circle or if it was just kind of teachers in the background. Yeah, like, well, look yeah. out for yourself. They got issues, or yeah, yeah. yeah. they're troublemakers. They're defiant, you yeah. know. So it sounds like at least in some way that like mental health has been very associated like around your upbringing was that would that be fair to say of just like it's, oh, yeah. it seems yeah. like it's been a huge part of your life what mm-hmm. i mean what do you 
what are some of those moments that were that came up early i guess with mental health was there any like early memories of it because it's interesting that so many people will go in different pockets right and i'm always interested right. to like figure out like where were these pockets starting to like be created mm-hmm. well um i so <laughs> Uh, my sister, one of my sisters, um, she one day just came in to my house, very, very upset. I was 10 and um, she went to my mother's or she went to our kitchen cabinet where my mom kept. That must be where I get it from. Now I think about it. Why do I keep mine there? Anyways, <laughs> side note. Um and she went to the kitchen cabinet where my mom kept her medication. My mom took mm. sleeping pills, I believe, at the time. Mm. And um, my sister downed all of them right in front of me. Mm. So um, I, as a 10-year-old, was like freaking out, right. you know. And my mom was at work, I think, at Maringo. I don't know. I don't have a ton of memories, but I do know that I called 911 yeah. and was able to give her um what friends how she was probably at um i remember being really frantic and they're asking me all these questions and i'm trying to remember like where her friends live like all this stuff and from my memory i remember um being told by my mom or somebody that had it been five minutes later she wouldn't have made it right that they found her in time so essentially i feel like i had a lot to do with you know, her still being here to this day. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So I think that's the first, besides kind of noticing that I kind of was a very sensitive person and I was very empathetic and I would like mm. cry over random things like cats and dogs and feeling like, is this normal? I mean, besides right. that, a real mental health, like big moment would probably be that. And, yeah. um, you know, knowing that my sister was in a a certain part of the hospital and mm. you know things were coming out in therapy and such like that so was there, i would say that that'd be huge yeah was therapy something that like quickly followed within like this this uh path you have with mental health because some people will you know delay it or um no like mm. my mom never now that you say that it's interesting because i was never offered mental health uh help for that my sister was because she was in the hospital for it and then my parents would you know went my i'm sorry my stepdad and my mom they went into therapy at the hospital with her like parent or family group therapy whatever right right. that looks like um at that point this is the very early 90s um but no i was never my mom never took me to a therapist or anything for that so it's kind of interesting that you say that. Not that that's like anything that I am upset about, but no, um, no, no, yeah, right. I don't remember feeling like I needed it. I remember right. feeling like, okay, my sister's okay. And I helped, right. <laughs> you no, know, that's right. really all I thought of. Right. And yeah, no. And cause it's always just, I always am interested once therapy like steps into someone's picture. Cause I think it just, cause it's all different timing and process, right? Like you, yeah. if you are good, so to speak, right from that experience, and you're able to just maintain like that's that's good. Like I wouldn't want to like you know that's 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 a great that's a an accomplishment in that right. And so like, but then it's always interesting once that once that becomes an option. Um, but I wanted to come back into this conversation that uh, mm-hmm. kind of brought you on to here is like that seemed 
the first time of several different times that you were able to intervene and were eventually this conversation will go and discussing with suicide and experience with that. But what has that been that those experiences like um, once they do happen and once you're able to intervene in, in something like that? Um, so that one, the first one was when I was like 10. So it was like basically just, you know, the, the phone call, the initial phone call of helping to find my sister. Mm. And that's kind of, I mean, I remember some things from her being in the hospital, some stuff that came out. Right. Um, that was really personal and stuff within our family yeah. and things like that. But, um, then fast forward to my early twenties and I lived with my best friend at the time and her I don't remember fiance husband at the time. I don't know. They got married really quickly. And all of a sudden he was our roommate. And, um, I came home one night and, um, I was out hanging out (laughs) and I came home one night and she was in the bedroom, just babbling the weirdest things Mm. and saying, she just had this dream about being at a circus with me and her mom and her eyes looked weird. And she just, uh, was different and had some of her clothes off, which was not like her because she was very like um, conservative when it came to like at least her friends and stuff. Like, right, she would never walk around the apartment like that. So I found right. it very strange. And then I was like, "What the heck is going on?" So I started like searching, and I um, found a bottle of like something that was in my room, but it was like it was something that probably wouldn't have probably killed her but it was her intention right i think it was like a high dose of tylenol and like a lot of like the whole bottle pretty yeah. much um maybe it could have i don't know but well, anyway it's interesting that you say uh, that guys. sorry to interrupt so uh, i went go ahead sorry oh, sorry i was just gonna say it's interesting that you say that because of like if it would have or not it's it seems like it's a weird it's stigma yeah. factor of like well is that considered, but like, I like what you said of intent, right? Like you right. saw the purpose behind it, which mm-hmm. then ensues and you can label that into it. So I just wanted to make a note of that. No, yeah, yeah. That's a good, great point because, um, again, like, ha- let's say I just chalked it up to that. Oh, it was just my over-the-counter right. Tylenol, right. right? Right. Well, tomorrow she could have gotten her hands on something else had I not done anything and really did it. Right. Exactly. So then I remember kind of like walking into the kitchen and I found a note (laughs) and that's when it became apparent that for sure she had taken them for sure. Something, things were in her system. And I tried to wake up her husband, which was, he was laying right there. I didn't hear any of this going on. Um, he was, did not want to take her to the hospital. So I remember having to be very forceful and I was very pissed. Yeah. As you could imagine. And we lived upstairs of a two story apartment, like complex, like a house building. Um, and there was one huge long stairway. And I remember just like having to literally drag her down the stairs and yeah. put her in the car. And this motherfucker wouldn't even help me. Right, right. <laughs> He's my friend. No, you're good. But a man wouldn't help pick up his wife to put right. her in the car and take her. Right. So I ended up going with her to the hospital. I literally had to help get a urine sample from her. Um, everything. Her stomach was pumped all that stuff. Um, and then she chose to not get any further help. So the next several days, uh, while her husband seemed to just do whatever he wanted, I stayed really close to the house 
yeah. not leaving her alone. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there was that. Um, so that was also very, very close to me and um, hard. Yeah. Uh, the other two happened in my twenty, my twenties as well, um, middle to late twenties. Uh, one guy that I worked with, his um, a mutual friend of ours actually, she um, had passed away from alcohol poisoning, and he just um, went kind yeah. of like, I don't want to live, like I don't know. Yeah. And I just remember he left me a message um, on my phone. I was at beauty school at the time. And I listened to it and like, I've always had this very good intuition, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I listened to it and it was a song about like called Melissa, which was the girl's name. And mm. I knew something had happened. Right. So kind of intervened in that and was able to get him, um, help for at least 48 hours. Cause he was refusing to stay in the yeah. hospital. But, uh, because I spoke to the social worker and explained that he would go right back out and do it. And I knew he would, um, they were able to hold him. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And the last one real quick was just, right. um, somebody I was kind of friends with and he had a big bad breakup and we were kind of talking online. This is back when I think he had to still dial up, who knows? I don't remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, oh, I've been drinking. I took all these pills and I barely knew him and I just didn't care. I was just, I hopped in the car. Yeah. I'm like, what's your address? Tell me what's your address. Blah, blah, blah. Drove there. Sure enough, there's bottles. He's barely even able to stand. Took him to the hospital. Had his stomach pumped. Stayed with them until his family came and left. Yeah. What What are those intense moments like? Because I think part of mental health that I'm always interested in too is like, how do you become a good network person? Do you know what I mean? Like, someone may not ever have their own mental health to like deal with, but there's a good chance that one of their friends does. So yeah. what are those moments feel like, I guess? If for... I just, I think I go into this, like um, save everybody, just save everybody mode. It's just right. like a, a natural thing. Yeah. And it's taken me until like this year to figure out like I need to save myself sometime and stop yeah. trying to except for obviously my profession. But um I just have always been the person that people go to for that stuff. Like right. I couldn't I, I remember the name of it right now, but I know like um we were discussing a Netflix um series on our chats. Yeah. Um and I was watching that and I wish I had the name in front of me right now. Um, but it's Jonah Hill. So is if anyone like, wants to look it up on Netflix, yeah, it's no. a, it's Jonah Hill did a um, documentary with his psychiatrist. And it's just really interesting because I saw myself in him a lot because the psychiatrist was like, since I was very young, I knew how to have these conversations. I right. knew how to um, help and I can't explain why. And people would just tell me their life. People would tell me things they had never told a soul. Right. And I had barely known them. Right. And I was able to like really identify with him in that. Um, yeah. And I just go into like a uh, savior mo mode. Mm. And again, you make a good point. I never have thought like, how did 
I know it affected me because I talk about it a lot with people and and it's something I'm proud of right. without being proud of having friends want to hurt themselves. Right. But I'm proud that I was able to be there for those four people and that somebody up there or in the universe seems, seems me deemed to do so. Right. If that makes sense. No, yeah, cuz um, I think it's 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 everyone it's weird to like have a role in mental health and be proud of it. And we actually were talking about this in one of our uh, things over residency. It's like, we are oddly afraid of being proud of like these scars that are associated and just like, unfortunately come with being someone that suffers from your own mental health. Right. And like, but it's something to be very proudful of. And it's a dark, it's a weird thing to be proud of in that sense, but it is like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but yeah, that was something that yeah, we were talking been, about. It's oh. been a hard place for me because I sometimes I, I feel like uh, when I tell that story that people may be like, oh, she thinks she's better or mm. she um, is bragging, you mm. know, like that's what I feel. I don't mm. know if people think that at all, right? but I think it's an important part of my life yeah. that I have to share because it tells why I'm on the path I'm on and yeah. it tells it's part of my story a hundred percent um i believe that i'm meant to do this work and that is those are some things that point to me knowing that that's what i'm supposed to do right so and, yeah because it, it it is to like the moments and these experiences when it gets so close to like the fire of like true mental health illness and and the consequences that can come with that it is like we all, because we all have these reasons why we came to change our careers, right? Like we all have right. these very similar, what I'm learning and hearing from all my classmates is like, we all have these moments, but like, for some reason it's not, I don't know if it's a societal thing. I don't know if it's part of the stigma, but like, it's like not warranted to be proud of that. And I was, right. we were honestly talking about this in one of our groups is like, of this idea of like LeBron James and Michael Jordan can be like super proud and boastful for doing what they do. And that's, and it's an incredible accomplishment and they're heroes. Right. But then why are we, why can't we adapt that to people of mental health and whatever role we've served? If it's someone like you who has served as a protector and someone of network reliance health, if it's someone that just is, a good friend that's there at the moment. Let it be just like something, you know what I mean? Like we should all be very proud of these stories and experiences because that's why we're getting into this, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. You know, Uh, I won't forget like, uh, not too long ago. It was like this spring and it was after I've gone through some stuff myself. And I remember, um, an acquaintance, I'll say an acquaintance because this person just kind of happened to need to be around me for a reason. Um, and we were having a conversation and this person said quite blatantly to me, if you've been through that, like, why do you think it's a good thing to be going into what you're doing? Mm. And I was like, I mean, we've all heard that, right? Like at some point, I think, and it's just like, okay, well, if I had cancer and I knew what it felt like to have cancer and how to go through the treatments and, you know, experience that myself, right? why would I not be a good person to help somebody go through cancer? Right. And again, it's that whole, 
stigma that the brain is of less importance than other organs or other right. illnesses. Um, and so I really get upset when people say that. I guess it's kind of coming back to what you're saying is just like, how come that stigma is there for us because we've dealt with it. We we've had those, or that's the reason why we're, we're in this right. because we've dealt with it. So we want to help others right. not have to, to struggle as much. Well, and it's like, that's interesting that people would be like both like upset about that because I personally feel like it's to have these experiences can make us so much closer to our work, I guess. Absolutely. Right. Cause we, we've either seen it done something that experienced similar to a client, you know what I mean? So it's like right. to, to want someone that isn't. I know. Well, because like, is that because well, that's part of, and be like, I have no idea what you're going through, and right. Well, whatever, I'm like, but I'm going to tell you, right? And like, that's the crazy <laughs> thing about like part of the industry. I've always not industry, but part of the field that like frustrates me is like this cookie cutter style of a counselor, even right? Yeah. And like the idea yeah. that we have to, because like that was a huge part of my development is like, oh, you can just be who you are. You don't have to be this thing, but like from the outside thing, we all see like the stereotype of like what a counselor should right. look like. And so all like, put together, and, right. Has all the answers, right. you know? And it's yeah. like, well, no, we don't know what we're taught. Like we do in some senses, right? Like we can add, right. technique, but like, it's not like we're all right. It's not like, you know right. what I mean? Like with, but that's, it's the stigma of this perfection to help others. It's like, but that seems impossible to achieve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what has, I, I guess I, we can just get into that too. Like what is one of your frustrations of this, of the stigma of mental health, I guess, is there one in particular that you. Yeah. You know? I think um, what I kind of touched on, I, I think that people literally don't see the brain as an important mm. organ. And mm. if I remember correctly, uh, it's the third most important or uh, if not the most important, because that's what keeps you alive. But like organ wise, okay, you got your skin. And I think there's one other organ. Uh, maybe it's the largest. That is the, the third largest organ in our right. body. I wish I would have done my research before this. Oh, I mean, good. I have the research, but I no, can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and that any of those other things can become sick, even our skin. Right. Like the largest organ of our body can get cancer, melanoma. Um, and right away, where people are just like, you know, um, you know, putting things up, please help this person. They're in stage four, you know, right. cancer, which right. is great. I I help people like that all the time. I'm not knocking anyone else's diseases whatsoever. I'm just saying that I don't think that people put it into perspective. Okay, mm. what if I'm level four, mental health not okay? Mm. And my level four means I'm going to die for sure because I'm right. going to commit suicide right. or whatever brings me to that. You know what I mean? No, I, I yeah. just, I never have worded it that way before. So it's kind of strange coming out of my mouth right now that way. But, no, but um, I love that because it using is the stages wise. Yeah. But like, I just think that it's just, if you don't, if you're okay, when you go into the hospital, if you're brain dead, you're considered dead, right. you know? And right. here we are like saying, okay, well, the brain can't be sick though, or it can't misfire. Right. Or there can't be uh, just like with 
you know, your heart, the ventricles and all this stuff can't not, can't they get clogged, right? But things can't go wrong with those right. things that connect in our brain. Right. So for me, I just, that is my biggest pet peeve. Um, A, that's my biggest pet peeve is that it's not taken serious as any other illness. And I would say B would be, um, just on top of my head, kind of the same thing, but like basically not being exposed to it yourself Mm. or um, like, let's say, for example, um, because this is a mental disorder as well, but like substance abuse disorder, I've seen people just say the crappiest things about addicts and say, oh, look, they got these, um, you know, they have these machines now where you can get Narcan. And why isn't there this or that for diabetes? And, you know, that's a whole other thing. But what makes me mad is that, and I don't want to wish this on anyone, but in my heart, I feel like one day, what if your child has an addiction? God forbid your child has an addiction. God forbid your child has a mental health issue. God forbid Mm. your child has gender dysphoria. Mm. And then you have to decide whether you are going to disown them or you are going to get behind them. And then you're going to have to swallow all these horrible things you've said. Um, Those are the two things that really bother me because you just don't know how anyone's children or your grandchildren or what's going to happen with them. And to speak so quickly on something without understanding it or having it close to home to you, I think it's just like uh, ignorant. No. (laughs) Well, yeah, lack and it, of better words. No, yeah, and it's it's hard to like, because mental health is this thing of like this protective bubble, and there's a lot of people that, for great credit, like get to go through life and never have that shaken or even like remotely threatened, right? Yes, and that's the goal, right? Like that's every parent's like dream is to do that. Yes, but the reality of it is that at some point. Let it be through loss. Let it be through whatever it is. More likely than not, especially nowadays, something's going to happen where that life gets shaken of that child, right? Right. And to just quickly associate like this lower class of human because of these traumas, right? That the outside will just, well, just get over it. Just... Put yeah. some dirt in it. You're fine. Like, what's what's pull yourself up by the bootstraps? Right, right. And but it's like, and yeah, that again. That's even the goal, right? That is the in weird right. way a goal to just do that. But these scars right. that get left, especially if not worked with, right, to heal properly, because that that's a frustration of mine too. Is like we don't like we don't associate a cramp to the brain. Or like just right. like a strain to the brain, or what does it and mean? Everything, right? And everything. and and what happens if someone interprets in a traumatic situation? How does that affect your decisions? Because one thing that I struggled with is like when I was going through my very first crisis of mental health, is people would always be like, "Well, how are you? Why are you making that decision? That's a stupid decision." It's like, well, I'm not thinking properly right because of this cloud that comes over you when Mm -hmm. you know um what is what do you think though like as we talk through like this stigma how do we start to do this right how do we make this a normal conversation how how do we 
how do we do, you know, you know what I mean? Like how, right. what's the simplest I think like, it? um, first of all, things like this is like awesome. Like when you put it out there, I was like, oh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of an area of my, I feel like my expertise in a way, like yeah. this is one of my hierarchy of, um, things I like to talk about. Yeah. Um, I think for me, obviously working on what I'm working on. I mean, I post the crap out of it on social media. Mm. I am trying, you know, even if it's at the expense of myself, um, even if I'm telling my story and I'm letting everybody in, even in this small town of people that I know think crappy things about me from when I was a child, when I was an adolescent, you know, I, I was, I had a fun, you know, time yeah. <laughs> and so like you know i didn't hang out with the best people right um i did some pretty you know crappy things as as an adolescent um and so you know there's a lot of people watching me and my um journey that mm. i grew up with that know me and um i just even though it's hard and i i won't get barely any likes or anything i've had people say you know down the road or email me like you know you inspire me or you did this or that or i love how you speak out they won't like those posts but they'll read them right and that's what's important to me is even if it's at my own expense and i have to tell my own trauma to um help somebody or you know whatnot um i will do it um I will share it, not because I want attention, which is probably what some people do think, but I really don't care. Um, one thing I'm working on this year is, um, a f- this is my whole thing is it's like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you think about me. Like, right. I forget the exact same but saying, but um, it's like my favorite saying right now. Why can't I think of it? Um, it'll come to me. No, no worries. But it's really about not caring about what anybody else thinks or Mm. why I'm doing anything. But um, I think it's just important to continue that conversation and to continue to post memes and to continue to post TikToks uh, that somebody else made or that I made talking about these things. And if it reaches one person, I've done my job. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's the first, because even, I mean, what I've learned of marketing too, it's like, it takes these, all these grassroots campaigns, right? Like all of us to do yeah. whatever platform we feel most comfortable to like move our action or share information or understand that. And I, I agree. I think that's a huge part of it. Cause it, no matter if you just hit one person, right? Like that's, right. that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Um, So when I put this out into our class group, it was really because suicide had started to like affect more personal circles of mine. Um, and then just seeing more of the different, um, you know, higher profile individuals, um, reactions of that. So what has your, um, experience been like having either someone of loss of suicide or, whatever you would want to share as far as just like the conversation of suicide. Uh, like this year myself, I mean, I guess or just, like, like, just in it, general, just in general. Yeah. Like what has been your, um, because when, when, when suicide happens, let it be, if you are the person trying to attempt or you're mm-hmm. part of the support group of someone that has attempted or completed, it is, right. 
a moment that I've noticed people just look, what, what do I do now? Like, what's the next couple of things? So what is maybe that path look like for you? So, um, I kind of think like, um, I've lost a couple, like, um, uh, I guess people that I went to high school with, you know, mm. uh, through suicide. Um, one that I was closer with in junior high, several years ago i didn't i didn't talk to that person that much um so you know it's always shocking Mm. what number one right no matter how much you know about it no matter you know if it if it's kind of like i'm not surprised or which is a horrible thing to say but like you know that they struggled or had attempted before or whatnot um or even like the same thing with addiction, just like, right. it's always a shock, no matter right. what you knew that they were doing, what was going on in their life. It's just a shock. Yeah. I mean, sudden death in general is a shock, car right. accidents, right. everything. I've had a lot of loss in my life. So I'm trying to remember like one specifically that were that, but I can talk about um, this year. Um, mm. I lost a friend. Uh and I will have to tell my story this year in order to tell this story. And this is not going to be super easy for me because if anyone does hear this, it will definitely be the first time that people really yeah. know, or at least majority of people know. Yeah. But I took time off of school. Um, I would have uh, been in the cohort before. Now, I'm in your cohort, cohort now because I took uh, two semesters off Gotcha. because I became so overwhelmed. And I think part of it was after COVID. Um, mm. I think COVID really had a lot to do with it because I had never been in this dark of a place in my life. Yeah. I never had suicidal ideation or any of that. Um, I have always dealt with depression. Um you know, of course, I've thought the thoughts like it'd be easier not to live. Right. But I would never do anything. That's how I would always say it. That's how I always felt. Um, and so during COVID, you know, I was separated from my husband. Uh, so I went through a lot. But we had gotten back together. Things were good. Mm-hmm. Like they on the outside, they were good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing to mention is that one thing that a lot of people have said to me throughout this year is I would have never guessed. Right. I would have never guessed. And we'll get into that when we talk about uh, celebrities. Yeah. But I would have never guessed that you, you look so put together. You're always so put together. You're, you know, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, um, I just was not doing good. I kept telling my husband, like, I do not want to live. I yeah. don't want to live anymore. This yeah. place sucks. You know, uh, America sucks right now. Sorry for all of you <laughs> that don't think that. Um, you know, actually, I'm not sorry. But <laughs> um, just... You know, life in general, people are hurting. Right. Everybody's hurting. Mm. Uh, there's so much isolation. Um, every time I'm on my Facebook feed, people are dying, not of just COVID, but suicides, right. drug right. overdoses. Right. Everything, every percentage has like skyrocketed during COVID for all of these mental health surrounding issues. Yeah. Um, and I just was so depressed. Like I like I had never been before. Mm. And I kept telling my husband that like, you know, maybe I should just check myself in somewhere. I'm not doing good. Like, I just, I don't want to live. Like you don't understand. And then the next two days or so I'd be a little bit better. So he's a very like nurturing person. So he was kind of, I think for him, it was like, okay, she's okay right now. Right. You know, she's okay. She's stable right now. Um, And then 
I won't get into the details of the night, but I will say that one night I was just like, I had enough. And mm. I was like, I knew I would not complete by what I did, but it was a huge cry for help. Yeah. And um, I decided that morning that me and him talked and he said, I think it's time that you do actually go somewhere. Yeah. I made that decision myself to put myself into the hospital to get right. help that I was not getting seeing a psychiatrist, seeing a therapist right, right. and being very consistent with that, mind yeah. you, and medication. Um, I think the COVID really messed me up, like the actual illness of COVID, mm. because I wasn't I wasn't able to do my homework anymore. Everything looked very scattered. I wasn't able to like process right. like what was being asked of me to do. Um, I was overwhelmed. I was working full time, going to school full time. Mm. And I just had so much on my plate. I was people pleasing. Yeah. I was drinking more and than I ever did. Um and so all these things. So right. anyways, put myself in the hospital. And this is so foreign to me because, you know, I've helped people do this, not myself, right. you know, um, right. but I was very honest and I told them how I felt and they felt that it was that I needed to, you know, so they found me um, a place to go in the suburbs because um, I did not want to go out this way. I know too many people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I uh, stayed there for six days. Mm. And I went through all the process, group therapy, um, you know, individual therapy, slept in a, in a room that had nothing because, yeah. you know, they have to make yeah. it safe for you. And um, I met three other girls in there that... Um, we became very, very close. And if it weren't for them, I don't know how I would have made it through that six days. The yeah. six days felt like three weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, at night, we would just go and laugh and laugh and laugh until like lights out, right? Yeah. And it was so cathartic to be with these women and other people in our group and know that I was not alone. Right. That I was far from alone, that everybody had different situations and there were different ages. Mm. I was not in there with a bunch of teenagers, like you right. would think, right. or I'm sorry, like 18 or over. Everyone had, right, everyone right. had to be 18 over. There was women that were in their 60s. Right. There was a woman, I swear, was my mother's age, 70. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a woman that I got close to that's uh, late 40s. I'm... I'm approaching 44 uh, January. Sorry, it's a bad thing for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, then there was uh, another girl that was maybe in her late 30s. That yeah. was another friend that I made. And yeah. then another girl who um, was 28. She was my daughter's age. And my oldest daughter, I told you I was a teen mom. Yeah. Um, so she was the same age as her. And we all mm. became very close. And that 28-year-old was just so boisterous. and. Yeah. Once she came out of her shell and um, she would come to group at the very first couple of days, me and the the one in her 30s, we would be the only one showing up to group. We're like, where is everyone? Like, why are we the only one doing that work? You know? right. And so we'd be there at group. And then finally, I just remember, and it's something I was just talking to my husband about um, because I had seen some stuff on social media 
um, about them kind of some starting some things for her. Um, and I'll get to why in a little bit, but, um, I was thinking about like how she would just, she was, she would come to the door on the outside of the door and she would just be like this outside the door, like kind of just observing. Right. And then she just on the floor, you know, and then she just slowly scooted herself in and scooted herself in. And then next thing you know, she was just trying to help people the best she could because mm-hmm. she had been in and out so much, um, actually at the same hospital even. Yeah. Um, and she was just like helping with the process, like make sure you go to groups and you know, all this right. stuff. And then she, you could tell she really, 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 really wanted to be not cured, but better, you know? Right. And, um, they say when you're in there, we're specifically told not to exchange information, but I don't listen to rules. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, we, we, all four of us exchanged information and I was Facebook friends with her, um, the specific 28 year old girl. And, um, about five months later, she is no longer with us. Mm. So, um, that is probably, I mean, I can't even explain that one. I, yeah broke down as though it was one of my own children. I'm still trying to understand the grief Mm. or I don't know exactly. I don't know what I'm still working through it because I'm like, it's not every day, but I see a picture or something and it can just, all of it can come back. But she is two things. It was one, like just, she lit, they say this about everyone who passes away, right? Like they lit up the room, their laugh was infectious, but like she truly did like light up a room. She knew so much music. She, she loved, um, what's his darn name? Now I'm going to, Harry Styles. She was obsessed with him. (laughs) Obsessed. They even played it at her wake. Um, all of his music was playing. Um, I went to her wake and everything. And, um, but I just, I can remember, like, I was just distraught. Yeah. Like, my daughter thought, my youngest daughter, she's 13. She was at home when I read the news on Facebook. And um, she thought somebody in our family had passed. Yeah. That's how hysterical I was. Yeah. Um, because, and my husband, you know, and I know this, but it's nice to hear it. You know, my husband will be like, well, I'm like, I just don't, you know, get why I'm, it's still so raw for me and so Mm. painful. Um, And it's because when you're in that situation, you're not just like, he made a good, um, like example, like you're not, you know, if, if I was taking a knitting class with her or a painting class, right. And I got to know her a little bit, I would probably cry. I might be a little upset. I might even attend her wake. right? Right. But the reason why it was so hard and is so hard is a few reasons for me. But the biggest one is that, um, we shared so much. Like mm. I probably know more about how she felt on the inside than anybody in her life because mm. she had to share it in group right. and she shared it with us personally. And she knew things about me and we all knew things about each other, us four girls. And it's just so sad that out of the four of us, she didn't make it. It's just right. heartbreaking. Yeah. And, um, the other two things is uh she my young my 13 year old daughter reminds me a lot of her like her mm. spunkiness and then the other fact that my oldest daughter's 28 like i think that that 
was like, right. oh my gosh, like yeah. if that happened to my daughter at yeah. that age, like just that empathy, the empathy that I have for her family and what they're going through is, is tremendous. Um, you know, and they're doing stuff um, for her. I think they're trying to start a website and stuff I just read, which is what I had just read. And it just kind of brought everything back. Yeah. But I can't tell that story without telling my story. And so in the beginning, when you were talking about, um, I, I don't remember what it was, but I can't, I could not, I needed to tell her story because I know her family wants evil to know her story. Mm. And I know what it was. You were saying that, you know, um, darn it, I keep losing it. In the meantime, that saying earlier that I said, uh, what you think of me is none of my business. So I'm going to say that to everybody when they're hearing my story. Right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> from my perspective, that's what it was. You were saying like to make sure that, you know, um, that you want to hear it from my perspective or, right. you know, and then um, from another or of, from losing somebody that way yeah. or like mental health in general. Right. Yeah. yeah right. And, and the experience, I think you said. Yeah. And so I can't uh, share her ex or my experience about her unless I share my experience and how I got to know her. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, from almost immediately after um, this happened, I felt like this might be the way that I would tell my story. But mm. I didn't have the medium right. to do so. And I didn't want it to be like, oh, I didn't want the, the attention to be away from that either. Right. Um, so I'm I'm just gonna thank you right now for oh. giving me that medium to do so. Oh yeah, no worries. Like that's <laughs> because it's relieving to to get out and um I'm doing tremendous. Like I can that's the one thing and another reason why I wanted to talk tell my story was because I'm doing amazing. And yeah. if I would not I didn't mention I did six days in the hospital and then I did three and a half weeks in uh, par partial inpatient, which yeah. I would just go there every day and then come home at a certain time. Um, I, I am like so happy I did that. That was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. I am actually know what joy feels like and right. happiness feels like. And I have, I I don't even remember the last time I felt that way. Yeah. Like completely this way. Like yeah. I've, I've had happy times. I've had happy sections of my life, but like the inner joy and the right. inner peace right. within me and my confidence um, to own my wrongs and yeah. to be who I am and authentic. I mean, I've always been a very authentic person, but it's on a whole other level now. Yeah. Um. So I, don't regret meeting her and having to go through this pain. I don't regret taking myself to the hospital. I don't regret what I did to get there. Um, sometimes you just need to give up that control and yeah. say, I, this is bigger than me. This yeah. is bigger than me and I need help. No. Yeah. And that's the, it's an interesting thing. Once you come to that, like point of seeking out help or having these ideations. Cause I remember like the, I remember when my first one started to come in and it took as far as like that it wasn't just, cause there's a very different jump of having a really bad day, being um, sensitive to something that might've happened 
versus like sitting with that concept and letting it really play out and understand like the gravity of it. But then once you're able to do that, continually wanting to still seek that, right? Correct. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting thing when you tell your network or your network of friends or whomever start to understand that you go. And I wonder if this is your experience similar to mine of like, when I was released from my visitation and in, in, in the Institute and stuff, it was very interesting to see how people treated me like after. Right. Oh yeah. And, What's your experience? Well, mine was, mine was very different because we were so young. Like I was, okay. I was in middle school. So I was like 2005, 13, 14, like, so very early teens, right? Okay. And so mine was layered in small town, middle school gossip. We all remember what it sounds oh, like and yeah. feels like, right? <laughs> and so mine was layered in that of just like, it was like, I might as well have had the most contagious disease known to right. science right after coming out of that. And, but they didn't understand, like you said, the work that we do to feel this joy, to feel insightful. And so it was like a feeling out process of like me coming back into joy and being my regular self, because it is such right. a, it is such a foreign thing to experience even with, it like, is. you know what I mean? Like, even if it's like a friend that yeah. you don't know, if we're all in small towns, like it can hit you really closely. So that was mine of just like this really weird feeling of like treating me with sponge hands, right? Like very soft and don't, don't tell him anything too critical or important or like that would sway the boat. And so it was like that feeling out process with my friend, but, or with my like friends at that moment. Right. So, uh, I wouldn't, I mean, it's different, mm. but I can tell you that, uh, at the age of 43, it was not a positive. Right. Um, right. I have lost friends. Mm. Um, and that's been a choice of mine in a way. Yeah. It's kind of been both ways, but people literally, I told them certain people that, and I didn't tell many people, but the people I did tell, um, they just didn't even check on me afterward. Um, I don't yeah. know if it was uncomfortable for them mm. or what, but um, I have not received a ton of support from the people that I let in. Um, my husband and my, my daughters and my family, like my mom, um, they have been, and, uh, my, my best friend from California, mm. um, which I've been friends with for 30 years. Um, but my other friends that we all grew up with, um, and they might even hear this, but they, they weren't there really. Yeah. Um, maybe one of them checked in on me a couple times, on uh, last few months or so but um i've really had to take a look at my uh friend groups right, and right. what i what i did for fun even um right. and all that kind of stuff and honestly it's been a huge relief to just like be around and talk to people that aren't judging me because right. i feel like i was completely just judged and thrown off the table instead of cared about when honestly I had been there for so many of them and right. so many ways that it's like, wow. And I just, it's, you know, it's, it's not my problem. And it goes back to like, what you think of me is none of my business. 
Um, but it's hurtful because yeah. you're, you just, you know, you thought that, that they would really take it serious and well, maybe they that, didn't, maybe, well, maybe they thought a, I needed attention. But that's yeah. the, that's a huge part of like, I guess the weird paradox of mental health is that, well, especially now, right? Like we're preaching to reach out where we advocate for sharing to find that network. But then when that happens, there are people that react in ways that are just mysterious, right? And if they reject it, if they don't take it as serious as maybe they should, if they, cause I, I mean, I mean, I remember getting that too, right? I remember mm -hmm. the minute that I really came out of saying like, no, like, I'm just like, I know you're sad, but like, there's stuff that I'm doing and going through that's different on a different level, but it then quickly turned to attention seeking. It's it turned to emotional child, right? It turned to mm -hmm. these like weird things in certain groups. Yeah. Are just like, that's, it's so mysterious to me that we want yeah. people to be open and to share these emotions and experiences and thoughts. Right. But then the minute we do, we're just like, well, just, calm down. Like you're not, you don't need that much attention. Like, and yeah, so I, I understand that it's, it's interesting that that happens yeah. though. Right. Of well, just... it's what I think too, is that it went beyond like, I, I think I could understand a little bit more if they were just didn't know what to say and, and things like that. But it, um, it came to light that, it seemed to be after I couldn't make a couple engagements, which mind you, I was always at everything. Right. And that was part of my problem was people pleasing. Right. And I had to start learning how to take things off my plate. Like I quit working right. for several months. I quit, like I, I took a, an LOA from school. Um, and that's what I learned in therapy was that I had to take things off the plate. Yeah, And so I, I did not go to a couple engagements that I was invited to. Um, and it wasn't because I was ashamed by any means. It was that I didn't feel like going. I literally chilled on my couch for a couple months, hung out, watched a lot of Netflix. Whatever I needed to do to heal right. is what I did. Right. And at the moment that I would say yes to the engagement, I thought I was ready. And then the day would come and I'd be like, I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. And I don't need to feel feel bad for that. Right. So I would say right. no, and I wouldn't feel bad. And then it comes to light that over the summer, these people quit inviting me to things and then can would get together and talk about me behind my back. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And we're in our 40s. Right. Like, wow. Mm. You know? Mm. So um, you just learn a lot, I guess, yeah. through that process. Well, and that's the when you can go into a process of therapy and and healing it's interesting to see what becomes more of a priority i guess right because right. there were oh, a lot sure. you know there's a lot of times these societal pressures to like maintain but like once you go through this and understand like what you really strive for for friendship may be totally different to what then you initially thought before a traumatic experience, right? Because exactly if you can, right. Before main, I was right. all about, Oh, you know, I, in fact, uh, before it happened, me and my husband were like planning this like big re vow renewal and we were going to invite everybody and, right. you know, blah, 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 blah. And that just became like, I don't give a shit. Like right. I had no shits to give about right. any of that. Like I just 
wanted to be with my family. I wanted to heal. I wanted to do whatever I could to help myself. Mm. And all of that became not, not important anymore. And hanging out and having wine and gossiping about others became not important anymore. And I right. just stepped out of that, you yeah. know? Um, Can I ask you yeah. a question that I feel sure. uh, I'm always trying to like shed a little bit of light on is how do you start to heal from a loss like that? Because I think all of us go through the, besides the therapy, besides the, you know, what were things that you had to really, if you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. From the loss of my friend. Yeah. Cause I think right now I, I know that there are a couple of listeners that have lost friends from, you know, mutual experiences that we have, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, have loss of family member or friend right. or someone to mental health or in suicide. Um, yeah. But yeah, is there anything? So I think it intertwines with, because of my situation, it intertwines with my own um, mm. healing mm. journey. But um, I can speak just in general. I, I've i even, I've lost um, my best friend to a car accident when I was 18 too. So um, I guess putting those two together, like, well, not together because they're very different, but um, I'm thinking of those two things when I think of how I deal with them. Yeah. And that is like memorializing them often mm. um, and keeping their memory alive has right. always helped me. Um, I know that seems kind of like, I mean, I can get into deeper stuff, but that's one thing that helps me is like every birthday, every right. anniversary of their death, I usually post something and post a picture so that their friends can remember them and that yeah. I can remember them. I visit their, I visit my best friend's gravesite. I, I think what's important for healing is allowing yourself to feel whatever you're going to feel when mm. you're going to feel it. I mm. think that's the most important thing. And however you want to express that is how you want to express it. I once yeah. had a friend tell me that I take death very seriously and more serious than other people or more sensitively. And I think that's very rude, but, um, mm. no, I've I been told that it, too. That's interesting that you say that. <laughs> you will told you that. Yeah. 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 That's Isn't that weird. Like what kind of, how am I supposed to take it? Am I supposed to take it lately? Like, I don't know, mm. but, um, I think that's, I think that's a good thing about me. And I think that that's what's helped me heal yeah. is I allow myself to grieve. Like mm. I allow myself to cry about it. I allow myself to know that it's never going to go away. I still have moments where I cry about my best friend. It's been 25 years yeah. almost next month. Right. Um, and my other friend who died of an overdose, uh, it's been 13, 13 years. Right. And I will just be randomly driving by something or a song will come on and I am in tears. Yeah. And it is continuous and same with my friend, um, from the hospital. Um, I don't think her family would mind, but, uh, I'll just give a shortened version of her name, but Steph is a shortened version of her name. And I, same thing. Like I see a picture of her. Um, I have one on my fridge, like just different things, or I, her family posts something and I just like literally can feel the pain all over again. And like, and I just, I allow myself to cry. I allow myself that moment and the last two days I've even, and even coming into this, knowing I was going to be talking about this and I didn't know if we were going to get to um, Steph's situation at all. 
But I knew that if we did, you know, it was okay that I was able to feel and talk about it. Right. So I guess my answer, long answer to that, is um, allowing yourself, not pushing Mm. it down, you know, talking to somebody, um, finding ways to cope, keeping yourself busy, grounding. I spend a lot of time, especially in the spring. I I don't like the winter, so you're not going to find me there then. (laughs) But (laughs) in the spring and summer, I go by uh, the river here in Belvedere. And there's a dam and there's this huge rock and I like to just meditate on it. Mm. And I like to sit on it in a meditative pose and just think about my losses and think about this past year and think about whatever's going on in my life. Um, I think you just have to find what works for you individually. Mm. Um, And therapy can help. Yeah. And even somebody who comes from being in therapy, um, you have to find the right therapist though. Right. Yeah. That's super important. And what people don't realize is they might see one and be like, this isn't for me. No, that therapist wasn't for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, that's Keep a great shopping. point. Yeah. Cause therapy is for everyone. It's just not the right. It's just not all therapists are right for everyone. Therapy right. Is, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've had to change several times. <laughs> no, just, same, I, yeah. I say to keep shopping and look for somebody who, you know, kind of has the same vibe and is, thinks kind of the same way, which sounds weird, but, you know, I tend to gravitate towards somebody who's more holistic and, you know, thinks a little bit more openly. Like I couldn't sit there and I had to like get rid of one of my therapists because they had way, I found out that they had way different political views than I did. And I was like, well, this is not going to go over well because that's some of my problem, right? you know, is dealing with these things. So I just say to continue to, um, allow yourself to grieve however that looks to you yeah. and um ask for help yeah no that the the doing it in whatever way fits is a really good piece of advice cuz i think there's just a lot of stereotypes of like how do you grieve like what does that look like what is and it has to be authentic and it may not and it may you may do a lot of things that look like you grieve right like you may literally go through a motion of attending a wake or visitation like after they've passed away but that doesn't mean it took right like you may have to because i think that's that was a huge thing when my friend committed suicide that like i honestly took like overlooked was this idea of like when do i just stop dealing like when does it go away and when does it yeah and it's like it doesn't and that's and that's really like the hard thing to grasp with but then you have to do it in ways that can shift perspective shift your motivation of action right but it is something that like unfortunately like stays with you and not haunts you but it's just like you move different right like i hundred percent. She, she loved, um, sunflowers. So even something I did, um, this summer is I grew a sunflower, um, and I'm going to do it every year. I didn't know that they die (laughs) inside, but so I have to reach, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb, but, um, I'm, I'm curious though. Like, I mean, you obviously don't have to go into it, but you had a loss this year as well, right? Yeah. Not to me, but to just someone very close, um, and someone I had been working with kind of through our SJP stuff a little bit. Um, and it just, and it had just resurfaced that because a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know 
no details, like small portions of my own like mental health experiences and journey. Right. But like it's been, I don't know if I've ever like really publicly have always announced like, yeah, like the reason why I had my own mental health is a huge part of it was my friend committed suicide when I was 2005. So like, you know, 13, 12 years old. Oh my gosh. And so and yeah. And they were that age too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were the same age. Gosh. And so that experience, even in this like journey of Adler, has been something I've never like publicly talked about too much, but stuff that I do want to talk about more in that, like, yeah, I remember the exact day that I was told and like where it was, like the smells of it, like the the experience of this is something that it's again, it's very dark, but like stuff that I feel if people are shifting through an experience somewhere that like may help navigate the crazy waters. Cause it is something that comes out of nowhere. It is like you said, a, a sudden death, no matter which way is really traumatic, but when it's wrapped around in suicide, it's just very unique because not a lot of it people is. can say like best friend, like Sunday I was with him Wednesday. I knew he was passed away. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. those experiences are very unique in in that um that I just think needs to be talked about more. And when my friend had kind of we I was able to get in contact with her and we were messaging back and forth the idea of well how do you do this? Like how do you like like what advice would I give to someone if they asked ever, right? And it's things that I hadn't thought about. I get like away from counseling, right? Away from school. Right. But just as like a human that's experienced this, like what would I tell someone? And that's what really kicked off this like this path to try and talk to more people that have had experiences of their own or with friends to do this is because it's it's so different than, yeah. and than any other I think death. too, like for you it's really important to um because of the age right that your friend was i think that people know what happens but they don't realize how much right. and they don't like they don't get it either right. like and i i'll be honest i don't 100% get it and um I mean, I get it, but like, right. I, it's so hard to wrap my head around because I have a 13 year old to imagine her being in that place is just yeah. heartbreaking for me. Yeah. And so, um, I just, I, I know how it is to lose my friend at 18. So I can't imagine what it was like for you to lose your friend at that age. It's such a formative, formative right. age. Right. And I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it makes complete sense that that's where your mental health issues stemmed from. No. Yeah. And like, I was, had already been dealing with like little depression, a lot of like anxiousness, but it was really like in coupling of seeing my mental health decline. And then this news with it is what just like dominoed me into like going into a, uh, a medical facility for like, I think I was there for like a week or so. Um, but yeah, and it was like both combinations of, I think a lot of people understood that I was going through my own stuff. Like I had started cutting, I'd started doing a lot of these things, but I don't know because I went to school in a different city than where my friend was from and, and is from. And so when that happened, a lot of people were just like, oh, he must just have been his own, like 
emotions, blah, 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 not fully understood. Like, no, it was because, yeah, like, yes, I was dealing with a lot at that time. But, like, the, the like, last, what's the saying? Straw. straw yeah. Right? Was that and seeing, like, like you said, at an age of just, like, dang, like, my friends are worried about... I don't know what shoes they're going right. to buy. Like exactly. What new Nikes like, they're going right. to whatever, like, you know, basketball practice. And like, that's right. the, and like, what's the skate spot. That's what my friends were worrying about. And then all of a sudden I was faced with like, not just loss, but like the gravity of like understanding that he took his own life. And it's just like, yeah. That and it, did you go, did you attend his funeral and stuff like that? So this is the kind of the shitty part about my story <laughs> is that unfortunately, no, because the day of his, funeral was the first day I was admitted into the hospital. Oh my gosh. And so yeah. because my That's so hard. once that happened, once my friend had committed suicide and we knew arrangements were being made, I had already been in therapy prior to this, like thank whatever universal sign or spirituality people believe in, like that figure that I was already in this work. But it was then just like, okay, like let's build him up hopefully to be able to attend this and do this, but it just kept declining. And I just kept becoming right. like, very disassociated with my life at that time. And like, I cut way more and it was just like, it was like a really weird time of just like, okay, I know I was literally getting ready. Like I thought our next car ride was to the funeral and, it, or to the, I think it was a funeral and it was to like the medical facility instead. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was like, it turned really quickly, but like it was needed in that, like, I don't know like what <laughs> would have transpired off that had I not like gotten, you know, checked into this Right. Facility. And not only that, but I think, um, just from experience, yeah. um, seeing, you know, awake if they, you know, stuff like that, you yeah. know, at that age too, could have been even more detrimental. Right to you so perhaps going there was the you know kind of saved you from having to go through that part of the grief because that's a big part of it too is getting yeah. through that and realizing you're never going to like literally see them again right well and it, and it's it really quickly you know with the luck of like not the luck but with my parents and understanding like the frame of thing like it quickly turned to like dude if you don't focus on your own health right now and i know this situation happen and you want to properly say goodbye and do these things. Like if you don't worry about yourself right now, like we as a family are really worried about you. And right. so I really shiftly like had to be shift narrative to like, what's your own health? Like, what are you doing through this process? Cause like I like for better or worse terms, like just lost it. Like I was just gone from a lot of things that of like, again, at that age, what you would hopefully want for your child <laughs> And so, right. but yeah, it was so it's like, scary. It was, yeah. And it's, and like these conversations is like what I'm most eager about is because I think just sharing these things brings a, uh, the term I've like just fallen in love with is like this universality of life and just understanding like you and I've never had an in-depth conversation up until this point, but share so similar of experiences that, mm -hmm. that are hard that like it's right. like it's very deep it's not these aren't fun conversations but they're needed in that sense of like this happens like suicide unfortunately is a growing rate right now and it's going to yeah. leave a huge imprint on a lot of people's lives but we don't ever sit here and go 
what helped you? Like, what was it like? Did it like, right. what did you feel? What did you think? What did you, or whatever, you know, the conversations can lead itself to be. Yeah. And I mean, um, I think that the biggest thing, I think it's just like with anything, like if you're getting help for, um, substance use or anything i think it's you wanting it too right, like 100 you know i was like i this has got to change i i am so tired of living my life like this yeah you know now i had not ever felt suicidal ideation like yeah i mean yeah that, that was that was so foreign to me right. uh not the depression any of that but the fact that it got that dark um <clears throat> but being like, I, I, I'm tired of this. I've yeah. dealt with it since I was 18. Yeah. I don't even know what joy feels like. Right. I don't, I don't know what it feels like anymore. And right. that is not a way to exist. So I want to find it and, and, you know, doing whatever means possible to um, be able to feel joy again has definitely been a journey. Um, and you know, I have my own ways of doing it. Um, I started going to the Buddhist temple and meditating. Um, and I mean, all kinds of stuff that has helped me personally, but and medication changes definitely had to happen. Um, but like, I just think that, um, you have to want it. Yeah, no, that's a great point too. Cause none of recovery of, you know, of drugs, alcohol, of trying to like better yourself mentally, like none of it's possible if you instinctually just don't want it. And like, I don't think you need it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. that's really hard for a lot of people to first admit is just like, unfortunately, a lot of times it takes hardships and what I like refer to like peaks mm-hmm. and valleys of just like to see how much you want it. And yeah, at different points, it may, it can shift. And so when it mm-hmm. is like at a high motivation, it is like a great time to try and seek that help. Right. Cause like every, every addict, every mental health person talks about that moment too. Right. Like when it finally did click as far as like that motivation. And it is, it's another pressure that people go through, especially I feel like with mental health of just like, well, why don't you want to get better? Yeah. It's like, well, you have to see it and want it. And that's different right. in so many ways. Right. Um, but yeah, it's 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 in, it's interesting to see the layers of mental health. <laughs> yeah, and also another yeah. thing too is um like a culture, mm. you know, obviously always got to bring into culture because yeah. of the school we go to. But um, <laughs> culturally, though, like I see it a lot. Like I feel like um my during my my husband's Mexican, my growing up in Belvedere, there's a um, higher population of it's mainly Mexican and um, well Latin, but there is a higher percentage of Mexican mm-hmm. descent. Um, but you know Puerto Rican, Cuban, cross the board Latinx. Um, but like it's stigmatized right. even more so. Um, within Asian communities, um, and Hispanic and, um, you know, all, all across the board, everybody has a different, um, so I, I guess my point was, is that like, because I've grown up around, um, Hispanic friends and such, and even my husband's like that, um, they don't like reach out for that help as easily or acknowledge it. Yeah. Because they're taught that they're not supposed to or that suck it up. Yeah. You know? 
Um, no, that's... But then again, it can also be, I have a sister, you know, she's as white as me and, uh, <laughs> right. uh, she just, you know, refuses to get help. Yeah. And I think that she would really benefit from it. Yeah. And, and, and part of that support is understanding and allowing that space of like, sometimes you can only do so much, right. And you have to just make sure to. And that's where, like, I talk to people about, like, okay, you've been a really useful asset and helpful person to your sister friend with mental health, but it's like, but you also need to now make sure you're doing okay. Cause, yes. like, that if your role is to be this protector and like huge influence, it's like, well, you need to make sure then you are also managed well and everything. Right. Like, like you said, societal wise, it's, it's so interesting that it's across, it seems like every walk of human nature, it's hard to talk about this. It's hard to reach out. And it's like, I would not have made it had I not reached out. Like I, I remember moments of like texting friends of just like, yeah, no, I'm like, this is it. Like I'm good. And like leaving my notes, leaving, like doing all this stuff. But what really started to put clarity for me was like the reaction of the ones that did these inner circles we talk about, the ones that you can really rely on, their reaction of just like, oh, then we're not, like you said, like we're not leaving then. We're just going to hang out here until like- Exactly. These small things that seem small, but are just like gigantic in the long run of just like, yeah, you need to, everyone needs to make sure you're okay. You need to be a good friend and listener. Even if you're annoying. Right? (laughs) But then sometimes you just need your own help too. Um. Right. Yeah, as we kind of wrap up here, I just wanted to, we, this is a different episode, a different kind of episode, so we'll end it differently. But what is, I guess, your last piece of advice for someone, your last just message or just experience you would rather share, just your last kind of closing thoughts here? Um, I would say, you know, the biggest thing is, um, there is help out there. There's uh, tons of resources and people and um, ways to get help. Um, some of them might be scary, you know, right. some of them might feel scary. Um, but I am a firm believer that most of the time, if you are running toward fear, uh, you're running toward change. Mm. And so I think that even if it's, you know, Mm. you you have fear to ask for that help, um, it might be the universe or your intuition or whatever force telling you, you need that help and to go for it. Um, Another thing that I have been super excited about is that um, the National Suicide Hotline, like changing to 988, Mm -hmm. I think that that's amazing. It's a huge step because who wants to look up a huge, long 800 number or who can even remember it? I mean, even me, I'm like, okay, what's that number? Like, I have to look it up for people. and, And I think the most important thing that I tell people about using hotlines, whether it's for domestic violence, whether it's for suicide crisis in general, it's not mm. just for suicide. 988 is not just for suicide. Right. It's a crisis intervention in general. Um, is It's not just for 
the person experiencing crisis mm. or experiencing uh, I, uh, suicidal ideation or um, whatnot. It is for people like me or you or anybody who wants to help their friend. Yeah, because that's a good point. They will give you ways to help your friend. They will yeah. give you the advice. If you're like, I have no idea what to say to this person. Right. I have, I know I want to help. What do I do? They will tell you, you know, these things like, don't leave them alone. Right. I mean, I don't know. I haven't worked a crisis hotline, but um, I did call one um, about, uh, I did call a domestic violence one um, within this last year um, because I was worried on how to handle a situation with, with a friend and they were very helpful with me and, you know, gave me some tips, some hints yeah. and calmed me down to like, just wait it out. I'm sure everything's going to be okay. Right. Um, you know, stuff like that. So I guess my point is like, it's not just for those in crisis. It's for those that want to help people that are in crisis and, um, are experiencing these things. So use those numbers if you need to, um, for yourself or for others to get help. Um, another, like, I'm a huge fan of to write love on her arms. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's um, T W L O H A. Um, I think it's dot org. Um, but it was, you'll read all about it, but it's for self harm and for suicide. They have so many resources on there. Yeah. Um, so I think just like getting resources, using the resources, asking for help. Um, and continuing to talk about it right so that we can continuously help um to end or lessen the stigma because it's going to take a long time yeah but as the percentages rise on these things um the more that we have to bring light to it because they're not going to go down if we don't you know what i mean right just kind of like math (laughs) yeah i know 100 percent um i really love that one though even if it isn't for specifically a friend or you, you're just maybe curious on how to better be aware of signs or just open the conversation of exploring mental health, like to find your resources now, right? And to mm-hmm. be proactive just like you would. I mean, we started at the top of the show. I was like taking it just as you would if someone was like, hey, if it, you know, here's some life tips to better eat right like to have a better diet a lot of people would go out and at least scroll through different recipes you may never need that recipe you may never fucking make that recipe but you know it exists right and that can be enough to be like in a situation that you need to recall information to give you a leg up or give you a head start in a way to be a better helper yeah Um, and i think uh too the last thing would be that um, I know we didn't get into celebrities as much, but especially, what was it, Twitch? Yeah. That recently passed. Um, you know, they just keep showing these things over and over of him being so happy and, you know, this right. and that. And I've heard it myself. Look, people that I have told us specifically have said to me, like, well, you don't look like, you know, right. you have all your right. stuff together, like I said earlier. And I think that the takeaway from that is check on your strong friends, check yeah. on all your friends, yeah. but check on those that also look like they have their stuff all together, but they're going through something. You wouldn't think that it would affect them to take right. them to that level, but it just may. Right. And I am sitting here telling you that, that, um, that happened to me and I 
know that I look all put together. Right. I know that every picture you see on Instagram, I'm cheesy and smiley and happy and right, right. whatever. But don't just take it at that. No, that's a that's an excellent one too because I think that that that's a lot of people cases that I know of it happened to myself too. Like I was a very, and I am like, I, I like to be funny. I like to have a good time and just like chill and, and be not this, like, I never need to be the center, but like, I love to contribute to have fun in whichever yeah. way that may be for my life of the party kind of. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, but that can come off as like, you're like, you're immune to this shit. And that like, yeah, you would never have a depressive thought because you are the one that always telling the jokes. Like you always have those lines or like yeah. your personality, the ones that walk into a room and can brighten it up. You would never imagine right. that those are the ones. But, yeah. But yeah, essentially it's their, it's our mask though. Right. We don't yeah, even, we exactly. don't even know it. Exactly. It's not like I know that I walk into somewhere exactly. with that mask. Right. Right. But it's a mask and it's, you know, so check on your, check on your strong, funny friends. I mean, this yeah. is why this happens to comedians so much. Yeah. No, it's that's not, what gets them right, through. Right. Right. Like it's all these. Yeah. It is that it is these life people of life. Let it be a higher like profile person or someone that is just like an average, you know, human walking through life. It's like these things that we associate happiness with that we label and put them into a box like, well, you're, you're, you're just, you know, you're fine. You're never sad. Yeah. You never have a bad day. You never, or when you do have a bad day, it's different than like the rest of us, but that's all bull. Like it can be a random thing that can affect someone really mm -hmm. traumatically. And right? it's moment to moment, day mm, to day. Right. And that's what I think people don't get is that, you know, somebody like uh, Twitch, you know, they show him dancing two days before with his wife. Okay. Right. right. Well, the next day, something could have happened that just threw him into a, right. you know what I mean? Like, right. it doesn't matter point. that he danced two days ago. Yeah. He could have danced five minutes ago and something happened and right. it spun him out. Right. Um, you know, I don't know his situation. I'm just giving an example of, um, you know, social media being, you're going to only show for the majority of the time, the good stuff. And that's right. why I thank you again, because I think it's important that, we do do these things and we are able to share the negatives yeah. or what other people would see negative, yeah. not negative, but you know what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. darker side of things. Yep. Um, so that we're not always just showing this, <laughs> right. my life's great, exactly. you know, because that's not the, that's not the case. Nobody's is. Right. No, exactly. Um, so as we wrap up here, where can people, uh, uh, follow you and your journey and everything oh, like that. If you want, if not, I understand that too. We don't have to share socials. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I don't really have like, I mean, well, now I do have my, uh, my, uh, my gosh, can't even think my Instagram is public now, um, for a couple different reasons. And I do plan on adding more things like this and on my TikTok, but I'll hold off on the TikTok because I'm working on that one a little bit, but, um, my, um, uh, handle for instagram is in case i wander which is i n c a s e i w a n d e r um and i'm on facebook so um but i don't have that i don't have that public yet but i am working on those things so hopefully we'll touch base again or anyone who sees this i can um i don't know add something to it i don't know how that works but 
for sure. Yeah. So awesome. And, uh, and to anyone listening, you can always follow us at the homegrown podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple podcast, and we will return um, with another conversation. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>